This is the Virginia Woolf podcast, which is made in association with Literature Cambridge. My name is Dr. Karini Akubovic, and in this series, I discuss one of our greatest writers with a host of fascinating guests, all of whom are united by one thing. They're all fans of Virginia Woolf. It is a well-known fact that books can take you places, but I'm always surprised by how far. A while ago, I got to know Aki Katayama, the Japanese translator of A Room of One's Own. We got talking after she attended one of my online lectures, and I was intrigued by what she had to say about Wolf's reception in Japan. Apparently, she's not only popular with literature scholars, but with a rising number of Japanese feminists. Aki explained that her translation of A Room of One's Own had been met with an enormous amount of enthusiasm from readers who felt that Wolf's points about gender equality were relevant to their lives today. Wolf's statement that a woman writer should have money in a room of her own if she's to write fiction really struck a chord with those struggling with Japan's patriarchal expectations, landmark sexual harassment cases and a gender pay gap of 25%. Combine that with a housing crisis and it becomes clear that a room of one's own is rather hard to obtain. So all of this got me thinking about Wolf's Japanese readers and in particular how her work interacts with feminism and LGBTQ activism in Japan, not to mention the problem of translation. And that, dear listeners, is how I ended up in the middle of Tokyo doing a set of special episodes on Virginia Woolf in Japan. Tokyo University is based in Soka to the north of Tokyo. And I've been invited here to chat with Aki Katayama about her translation of A Room of One's Own. After that, she's asked me to co-facilitate a lecture for her students, and I'm going to take the opportunity to ask them whether they think Wolf's feminist ideas have any applications to modern-day Japan. The first one came out in 1940. It's quite early and translated by two men. And the second and third ones came out in the 1980s and each translated by a woman. I read A Room of One's Own for the first time when I was a university student. And I read with those second and third versions. It was in the early 1990s when you could feel the impact of feminism in the books and in the places like women's centers. While in the university, some teachers were interested in feminism, but some others were quite against it. I was studying English literature, so I read those translations of A Room of One's Own, along with the translation, for example, of A Mad Woman in the Attic. And then I did my MA on A Room of One's Own, and I was aware gradually that those second and third translations were not enough. 
it was done in the mood of feminism, but they didn't necessarily reflect what Woolf wanted to say. And even in the UK, I guess, that was the time when Woolf studies was changing very drastically with the impact of Toril Moy, sexual and textual politics, and those post-structuralist reading. I remember I was fascinated with Rachel Bowlby and Peggy Camus, and I was very excited with them. It was in the 1990s, and then I went to the UK to do my PhD, and then came back to Japan and started to take, teach at the university. Now, almost 20 years have passed, and then around 2022, perhaps, Ryoko Takeuchi, who works at a publisher called Heibonsha, suggested to me that I translate a room of one's own. Then I was very delighted, and that job was such a delight to me, because Ulf's passages had been on my head for those two and twenty years, both in Japanese and in English. So in my translation, I tried to reproduce Ulf's intention as much as possible, and I also updated some words and phrases in Japanese. But when I translated the text, I thought this is only for feminists and scholars, and perhaps those Ulf readers will be interested in this. But as a classic, I thought they would accept it. So it was very surprising for me that more people took this book and read it. And I was just surprised because I thought when I was translating this text, this Arum of One's Own, I thought all the points were already discussed. And this is just one of the classics texts. But people read it in a very fresh perspective and they felt this is their own book and they felt her message quite straight to them. One writer, one woman writer, wrote a review about this book and for her, the passage which says all these obscure lives remain to be recorded is very fascinating. And I think she will take that as her own principle to write on her novels. And for ordinary readers, many of them picked up the passage which says, I'm asking you to live in the presence of reality. And they felt that is the sincere call from Ulf to look at the reality and live their own life. to develop his or her talents. For Wolf, it was a private income and a private room. But what, what do you think about it? What do you think about what is the most important thing for you to develop your talents? Yes, luck is very important and connections and networking. And that can be a difficult thing when we think about who gets to be famous and who gets to have the centre of attention. 
I would be really interested to know, if you're willing to put up your hands, how many people in the room think money is important to be a writer in today's world? Wow, that's most of the room, so the majority of the people, okay. Hands up if you think that having a private room of your own, so a space, it can be an office or a bedroom that you don't have to share with anybody else, so your own space. Put your hands up if you think that your own space is very important to write. Okay, still quite a lot of people, a little bit less though. And I think maybe that's because we understand that we can write in cafes and libraries as well as at home. Um, but that's very interesting. Hands up if you think that many people today in Tokyo have both of those things. So enough money that they can stay at home all day and write books and a private room to be alone in to write those books. Hands up if you think people have that. Nobody's put up their hands. Hands up if you think that any women have it, it's, that it's very common for women. Okay, nobody's put up their hand. I think mothers usually don't have rooms. Japanese mothers all perhaps think the house as a whole is hers, but still she doesn't have a room of her own. That's an important thing that Virginia Woolf is thinking about. She's thinking of the house for a woman as a workplace. It's a place that she has to look after and maintain for other people in her life. None of those rooms are hers. Her bedroom is shared. Her kitchen is a place of work. The dining room is a place of work. The sitting room is a place of work. So none of those spaces are that special room of your own that is just for you. So the lecture hall is now emptying out and I'm sitting here with Haru, who is a student here at the university. And Haru, I was wondering if you could tell me what you think the situation is like in Japan now for women. Do you think it's a good situation? Um, so personally, I believe that um, there are many obstacles in, in Japan. And I found that Japan ranked 116 out of the 146 countries covered by the Global Gender Index in 2022. And um, as a queer, uh, we don't have rights to get married as, uh, with same sex. And also Japan is the only country in G7 that um, people cannot get same sex marriage. But personally, I compare with other Asian countries like China and Korea. Japan is, um, I think, doing okay, but compared with other Western countries, um, I think that Japan should improve more gender equality in it for queer people. Do you think that there's a lot of people in Japan who want change now, or do you think it's still quite unusual? I know that some activists, queer activists, try to change Japanese society and they promote um, same-sex marriage in Japan. 
and I believe that especially for young people they are supportive like uh, for me I came out my sexuality to my classmates in France and most of them are supportive so I hope that one day I'm able to get married here in Japan It's a busy morning on the Tokyo metro system. We actually had an earthquake last night, but you wouldn't even know it from the way that people are just walking around. It's business as usual. And while they've been going about their business, I've been thinking more about the success of Wolf's Works in Japan. So Aki suggested that I visit Heiboncha Publishers, the company who are responsible for publishing her translation of A Room of One's Own, amongst several other of Wolf's works. Hello, Aki. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. This is the famous place for bookstores. I was wandering around and I saw so many books. And I thought, okay, this is clearly the publishing district. So we're sitting now in a beautiful room in Haibonsha Publishing House. We're on the eighth floor, high up above Tokyo, in the middle of Tokyo. But it feels like a little oasis of calm because we're surrounded on all sides by beautiful, beautiful books, some of which are very, very old. And I'm told that the company itself is very old, a hundred years old, and was started around the time when Virginia Woolf was first beginning to write her great modernist works. I'm here with Ryoko Takuchi, who's an editor and publisher. Her company is the one that decided to produce a new edition of A Room of One's Own, the one that Aki went on to translate. So, Ryoko, you have edited several books about feminism and gender. Can you tell us a little bit more about them? Yes, we've published several books, not least of all our Hei Bonsha library series, which is a selection of classic texts in affordable editions. Since 1998, we have published lesbian short stories, gay short stories, queer short stories, and classic boys' love short stories. That's very impressive that you were publishing gay and queer literature in the 1990s in Japan. Was it very popular with readers? When we started publishing these books, gay short stories sold well, but lesbian short stories didn't sell as well. Things changed a lot around 2015 with the popularity of social networking sites. I tweeted about the possibility of reprinting lesbian short stories and gay short stories, and the response was quite positive, so we decided to do it. Lesbian short stories was originally titled Women's Time, Back then, the terms lesbian and LGBT were not widely used, and there were no online shops, so it wasn't possible for people to buy the book discreetly. That's why I titled it Women's Time, and only put lesbian short stories in the subtitle. But in 2015, the situation changed a lot, so we put the term lesbian in the title. In Japan, there are many people who read and write boys' love. These are gay stories about young men. 
and Yuri fiction, which translates literally as the flower of the lily and means lesbian stories. People read our collections and were surprised and pleased to find that these genres had a history that predates them. You've published books from writers all over the world. A lot of British writers and Japanese writers and, of course, writers from other continents and countries. When did you first come across the work of Virginia Woolf? I think the earliest was the stories included in the lesbian short stories collection. These included Slater's Pins Have No Points and A Woman's College from the Outside. The short story collection owes a lot to a room of one's own. Katayama-san and I have talked about Wolf since our days at university, and I wondered how she might translate Wolf's writing. When did you first decide to publish A Room of One's Own? It was around 2014. I was also thinking about reprinting lesbian short stories and it coincided. I talked with Katayama-san around that time and we talked about the possibility of publishing a new translation of A Room of One's Own. Was it very successful? Did it sell a lot of copies? It was sold very well. It was read by so many people and there were many more responses than I expected. There were book reviews in newspapers and in magazines, especially women's magazines. An interview with Katayama-san was also published. A woman writer wrote a very good review. And thanks to that, it reached the people who had never read books from the Heibansha Library before. Was it mostly women buying the book? So that they were mostly women. However, looking at social networking sites, many male readers also read the book. The new translation was easy to read and the explanatory notes were detailed, so I think that people of all ages took it up, even those who had previously shied away from Wolf because they thought she might be too difficult. What has the reaction been? I think it's empowering and encouraging. I myself felt very encouraged when I read it. The writer Kikuku Samara talked about Wolf's warmth and sincerity. I think the book is very supportive to women, and I think a lot of people have been encouraged by it. The title itself suggests a familiarity, as it seems to address each reader's own self and speak to them directly. I think the reader feels their frustrations, anger and bitterness will be spoken to in this text and that these feelings will become clearer when they read the book. That's why I think it's been read so widely. Do you mind my asking how many copies the Room of One's Own has sold? <laughs> 10,000 copies were sold, and it has been reprinted eight times. 10,000 is a lot. Yes. It's remarkable. I'm happy that A Room of One's Own sold well and we could publish Three Guineas too. But it's also a pity that a book published 100 years ago can have such relevance today. It makes me wonder how much has changed in the last century. In A Room of One's Own, Wolf wondered what the situation would be like for women 100 years from now. And I hope that people reading this book in another 100 years will find that things have changed for the better. Ryoko, thank you so much for speaking with me today.
I've arrived back in my hotel room after a few incredible days of being completely immersed in not only Japanese culture, but also in the lives and worlds of, of students, of publishers, of translators, all of whom have this connection to Wolf and are taking really unique things from her writing. And I suppose my next step is to continue that journey, to carry on those conversations. And I really want to speak to more feminists, I have to say, and to hear more about how Japanese people are taking Wolf to their heart and applying her to contemporary politics. So in the next episode, I'm going to visit a Japanese feminist bookshop and meet the founder of that bookshop alongside a feminist author who says that she is incredibly influenced by the work of Virginia Woolf. Thank you for listening. This episode was funded by the Daiwa Anglo-Japanese Foundation. The translator and co-producer was Aki Katayama. The voice actor was Poppy Crumpton. And the music was Three Pieces for Piano by Natalie Boulanger, performed by Ellie Welsh. And if you're interested in lectures on literature and the arts, then do head over to literaturecambridge.co.uk.